0: Uh, there are a lot of great things happening at Green Tree Community Church. but Our student ministry um, is just impacting so many uh, lives and so many families. We're thankful that we could share that with you today. And by the way, good morning. My name is Tom Ricks. I'm one of the pastors here at Green Tree Community Church. It's good to have all of you worshiping with us uh, this morning. We are finishing up today uh, our our uh, fall uh, long series on room to grow. And for several weeks we've been uh, we've been talking about room to grow in generosity, and so we're going to be concluding that this morning, and then next weekend we'll have uh, a bit of a Thanksgiving-themed worship, and then the week after that it's Advent, and we're off and running towards Christmas. But this morning, let me invite you: if you have a Bible, you can turn to Malachi, chapter three. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament, so right before Matthew. Malachi lived about 400 years. Before Jesus Came to Earth, and we're going to look at uh, a passage out of uh, that book this morning. Now, when today is our, is our uh, Provision Sunday. Today is the day where we collectively as a congregation uh, make our faith promise for financially supporting the ministries and the work of Green Tree Community Church uh, this year going forward. You uh, received one last week. Uh, there's another one in your program again this morning, a little pledge card uh, at the end of the service Uh, We're going to have these filled out. And if you are part of the Green Tree family uh, and you uh, want to, we'd like to ask you to join us in bringing our cards forward. uh, And we'll give you some more instructions toward the end of the service. But when folks, you know, who kind of coach people like me on how to do, uh, how to talk about money, how to encourage people to be generous, they always kind of say the same thing make sure you get people a vision. Make sure you tell a story. Make sure you show uh, how God is at work, what, what is happening. People really need to be inspired uh, in order to uh, give financially. Now, I would be the first person to argue that our student ministry is very inspiring. I mean, I'm teasing Stephen a little bit, but those guys are doing an amazing job. But what if you don't have students in that age group? Should you still be inspired to give or should you say, you know what? that's not really my thing, and if that's Green Tree's thing, I don't, I don't really need to be generous. What if, you, uh, what if you've had a, uh, uh, an experience with Green Tree in the last 12 months that hasn't maybe been positive? Uh, maybe we, we've, we've hurt you in some way. Maybe we've erred in the way we've gone about our ministry. Is it okay to say, you know, because that experience happened to me, I, I don't need to be generous? You see, the, it's not that, that, that vision for a church is a bad thing. I mean, if you, you want to go out to lunch after church to talk about vision, I'll be happy to do that with you for a couple of hours. There, there's so much, I believe, that God's calling us to, but when you think about generosity and you think about vision, you can't tie it to a man centered philosophy. You can't say, I'm going to give if or I'm going to give when. You know, the church does certain things the way that I want them done. Because the problem is, if our giving's tied either to my ability to tell a story or or produce a a video that tells a story, we're in trouble. But also, if our generosity is based on how we feel emotionally on any given day or any given moment, we're still in trouble because we are sinful people. We're redeemed. We are called by God into salvation through the Lord Jesus, but we still Struggle with sin, and part of our struggle with sin is going to be in uh, the area of generosity. We're fickle, we can be selfish. And so, it's not that I'm against us having a vision as a church, I think we should, but I don't think that's enough. I believe that we need to have a vision that is much more profound than what any one person or any group of people are involved in. I believe we need a vision not of man. But we need a vision of God. And I believe that's what Malachi does. So we're going to read the first 12 verses in Malachi chapter 3. And then we're going to talk a little bit about it. I will tell you, we're not going to study these 12 verses in detail because it would take me at least four sermons to get us through these 12 verses. But we're going to look for hints about God that Malachi gives us that perhaps will give us a deeper and a broader and a more profound vision Of our Lord. Malachi chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, hear the word of God. Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he will purify the sons of Levi. Those are the the priests, the religious leaders. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in righteousness to the Lord. Then the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old, as in the former years. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerer, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, against those who oppress the hired worker in his wages, the widow, the fatherless, against those who thrust aside the sojourner, and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For the Lord do not change. Therefore, you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed." For the days of your fathers, excuse me, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside for my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you In your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you bring the full tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test says the lord of hosts if i will not open the windows of heaven and for you pour uh, open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need i will, will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. This is a reading of God's holy and perfect word. To him alone be glory. Let's pray together. Father, we do uh, thank you for the vision that you have given Green Tree Community Church uh, to grow disciples, to renew communities, to plant churches. Father, thank you that that you have... Uh, led us and that in many ways we uh, have sought to follow you and to trust you in, in those things. I thank you for things like our children's ministry, our student ministry. I think of uh, the Stephen ministry and, and CARES. Uh, Lord, I think of the discipleship that's taking place in small groups and in so many different areas where we see your word coming to bear on our lives. But Father, it's not about what we get or it's not about what we do. If our if our vision is built on our actions. Uh, or our capabilities, we will always be focused in the wrong direction. Father, help us to focus on you this morning. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the only one who is powerful enough to redeem us, and you are the only one that is powerful enough to change our cold hearts and our minds, to transform by your power and give us new hearts, that are filled with love and compassion and generosity. Father, we don't come here to, to hear my thoughts or my words. We need your eternal truth to bear deeply into our souls, and we pray that you would teach us. Father, please forgive my sin. Don't let me be in the way of what you want to teach us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I said, as we prepare to, to make our promises this morning, I think we need a vision of God, and I believe that that's exactly what Malachi So, the sermon in a sentence is this Jesus' disciples' passion for and commitment to generosity will only grow as far as their vision of God allows. In other words, what I believe scripture to be saying is the more we know God, the deeper will be our generosity, the more profound will be our generosity, the more real and authentic will be our generosity. Now, we can say that about a lot of areas in our lives, say that about every area in your life, but this morning, for our purposes, we're looking at the question of generosity. So how can we get out of this uh, passage in Malachi a deeper vision perhaps of God? I have four observations in this text. The first one is this. We must see God's passion for pure generosity. We must see God's passion for pure generosity. Generosity isn't just giving something. Generosity isn't even measured by the amount we give, right? You're not the most generous person necessarily if you give the most to any organization, right? Generosity is a question of heart. And clearly what Malachi is addressing here is there's something askew about the heart of the people of Israel. And not just the kind of the rank and file the person on the street, but clearly the priests were getting it wrong too. Because in the first couple verses, Malachi says, "The, the servant of God is coming. He's going to appear suddenly in his temple. And when he appears, he's going to straighten something out. Well, what needs to be straightened out? What's wrong with the people of Israel? There's something lacking, not in their behavior, but in their hearts. So this one who's going to come, how is he going to come? He's going to sit, in verse 3, as a refiner, as a purifier. He's going to get the bad stuff out. He'll purify the priests, the sons of Levi. He'll refine them like gold and silver. And when that's done, what will happen? They will bring offerings in righteousness. You see, the problem with the religious leaders in Malachi's day and the problem with the people of Israel in Malachi's day were their hearts and their minds. They weren't devoted to the Lord. They didn't understand how generous he had been to them and turned around and been his generosity to others. Think about the nation of Israel. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you know that they were led out of captivity. They were, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years and then God redeemed them and he took them to a land and he gave them a home. He gave them a place to call their own and time after time, after time, God was generous with the nation of Israel. And what we find now is some several hundred years later, the people who have been the the recipients of God's generosity are failing to be generous. And that can happen to you and me just as easily. We have been recipients of God's grace to an even, even greater degree than Israel's being led out of Egypt because we've been led out of sin and death and hell. The cross of Jesus Christ, we're going to talk a little bit later more about God's generosity, but the cross of Jesus Christ is God's generous gift to us that redeems us, that saves us. So anytime we look at any facet of our life, including generosity, is a behavior instead of a heartfelt response to God's grace, we're in a bad place. So we must understand God's pure, his passion for pure generosities. And that's what that that phrase, offerings and righteousness, simply mean that that their hearts are going to be in the right place. They're going to be in right relationship with God. And so their generosity is going to flow very naturally out of a heart that's full of love for God. Paul picks up on this in the New Testament. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, everybody should give as they've made up their mind, right? You got to think about it. You got to pray about it. You got to consider it. Not, Not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Well, why does God love a cheerful giver? Because when I give cheerfully, when I give gladly, I mirror the image of my heavenly father, right? John 3, 16. God loved the world to the extent that he gave. And not advice, (laughs) and not a pat on the back, and not a, gee, hope it all works out well for you, pep talk, he gave his only son on the cross in death. And then in resurrection, why? So that all who believe on him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's passion for pure generosity is what bought your salvation and bought mine. But it's not about a behavior. It's about a change of heart. Have You ever been, uh, you walked in the room and two of your kids, maybe you're having a fight with one another, or you've been, the kids who have been fighting with each other and, and mom or dad say, you know, now stop hitting your sister, right? Don't, don't hit, don't, stop kicking your brother. Don't do that. And we talk about the behavior, right? Have your mom or dad ever walked in the room and said, son or daughter, what's going on in your heart right now that you hate your brother so much that you're punching him or kicking him? Or son, what, 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 what makes you think that it's good in your heart to, to, to be mean to your sister like that? Normally we just want to deal with the behavior. We just want you to stop punching on each other, right? And then we say something really even, even Fool, more foolish than before. Now you say you're sorry. <laughs> right now you say you're sorry. And, and what we know this, parents, ma, the child walks up and they say, put their hands in their pockets and shuffle over and say, sorry, right? Boy, there's, there's some genuine, you know, brokenness over my sin, right? Why am I doing that? Because if I don't say sorry, I'm going to get in more trouble. So this is my easiest pathway. Out. And, and so we, we, we focus on behavior when we got to focus on the heart. And, and you've seen this too as moms and dads. I hope you've seen this. We, we got a glimpse of it every once in a while with our kids where they really came to repentance. They really were upset with the way they were acting. And they did go to their sibling. And they did offer a genuine, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I was, I was being mean to you. And as a parent, you just want to jump up and down and do cartwheels and handstands and, and praise God because you see the genuineness of heart. God's after a change of heart for you and for me, brothers and sisters. He's not interested in your behavior, first and foremost. He's interested in hearts, that are generous. Why? Because he's been generous to us. Secondly, we must see not only God's passion for pure generosity, but we must also see God's heart for the poor and the powerless. Verse five, which is a long verse, says this. I, this is a great verse. There's a lot here. Then I will draw near to you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, and against those who swear falsely. And, and so far we're going, amen. Get them, Lord. Go get those sorcerers. Right. Go go get those evil adulterers. Go, go, those people that are all lying all the time, go get those people. Oh, but wait. <laughs> now it gets maybe a little bit closer to home. And those who oppress the hired worker and his wage, or, and it's understood here, oppress the widow or oppress the fatherless against those who thrust aside the sojourner and do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. God's passion and his heart are for the poor and the powerless, first and foremost, spiritually. Let me ask you a question. How much of your salvation did you earn? 10%, 15%, 17.4%? And how much did God give you, right? 90%, 80%, 50-50, was it half and half? And, and and how much power do you have to keep yourself saved until the day you die and see Jesus. Is that kind of a 50-52? You, you, you give half and Jesus gives half, you hold on to him, he holds on to you, and finally you make it home? If you believe that, you don't understand Scripture. You bring and I bring zero to the equation. We bring our sin, we bring our brokenness. If God doesn't do 100% of the saving, Tom Ricks is doomed to hell for all of eternity, and Tom Ricks deserves hell for all of eternity, right? Period. But if God saves, he saves 100%. God is 100% generous to my spiritual poverty, to my spiritual poorness, to my inability, my powerlessness. And if I'm going to be a person who is spiritually and and physically generous, I need to see myself through God's eyes, not through my own. And so Paul says in Romans uh, chapter five, he says, while we were still weak, Christ died for the ungodly. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I didn't earn anything and I don't have the power to hold on to any of it. But God, through Jesus Christ, earned every bit of it and he's never gonna let me go. And so how can I be even indifferent to those who are struggling with poverty? To those who are the powerless ones in my community, because that's my definition before God. And if God has been generous to me, ought not that generosity flow through me to others? Ought not that graciousness and that compassion be something that resonates with my heart and my mind and my soul to the degree that I just simply can't stop myself? I want to care for others. I want to be generous because God has been generous with me. Uh, Ward Brem is a man who has served publicly in the United States for a lot of years. He is and has been the head of the United States African Development Foundation. He's actually served under three different presidents. He, he, he was given this responsibility by President Bush II, and then President Obama kept him uh, for the eight years he was in office, and he now is serving under Donald Trump's administration. He's a man of great consistency in his love and care for the continent of Africa. He's also a man of deep faith. And I heard a speech he gave. Uh, a friend of mine sent me the link, and I put it on my Facebook page. And it's actually on our Green Tree Facebook page uh, today. And I would encourage every one of you to listen to it this afternoon. It's only 18 minutes long, not very long, won't take much time. It's the best 18 minutes I've spent Easily in the last two months. What he says about the generous nature of our faith is absolutely profound. One of the things that he says is, as I read my Bible, I find out how generous God has been with me. It's very true. Everybody goes, amen, that's right. But then he says, as I read my Bible, the other thing I see is that God's intended plan to help the poor, to help the powerless, is actually through me. And then I discovered this, there's no plan B. And that's exactly right. If Green Tree Community Church is not a generous church, the poor and the impoverished and the powerless in our community are going to suffer. If we don't share generously the way God has shared generously with us, there isn't a fallback plan. There there isn't somebody else that's going to come along. God works through his church. Jesus works through his people. And we are His people in this moment, in this day, and this generation. And He is calling us to be as generous as He has been with us because He has a heart for the poor and the powerless. But thirdly, we must also see God's consistent generosity. Look at verse 6. Shortest verse in the whole passage. I love this verse. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Israel, you can be happy. <laughs> Therefore, O children of Israel, you can go out and sing and dance. No, therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. You and I, just like the children of Israel in the Old Testament, our sins deserve God's consuming wrath. But instead, we are under his unending and limitless grace. Romans 5, chapter 10, Paul puts it this way. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of of his son. God's consistent generosity. God isn't going to change. God isn't going to say, well, today I think I'm going to offer salvation through Jesus, but next week it might be something else. And God forbid you die on the day when I change my mind because then I don't know what I'll do, right? There's no inconsistency with the generosity of God. It is 100% true all the time. And God is never going to change his mind About the cross of Jesus Christ. He's never going to renege on his promise of grace. And Paul says as much in the first chapter of 2 Corinthians, where he's writing to the Corinthian church, and he wants to make sure that they have a firm and solid foundation in their faith. And later on, he's going to write to them about generosity, but he writes to them in the context of being able to trust God who never changes. So he says, as surely as God is faithful our word to you has not been yes and no. You're know, like, maybe it's this way and, and, and maybe it's that way. Maybe sometimes it's this and sometimes it's not. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, whom we proclaim among you, was not yes and no, right? So Jesus doesn't say, well, I offer salvation. Yeah, you, yes, you, no. You, eh, maybe, you, no, N- no, 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 yes, no, no. And it's not like it's yes today, but tomorrow it's gonna be no. And good luck figuring that out, right? With Jesus Christ, it's always yes. Why? For the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why through him, Jesus, right? We utter our amen to God for his glory. What's Paul saying there? We praise God, not just for our salvation, but for the consistency, for the fact that it's never, the rug's never gonna be pulled out from under you, or out from under me, so we can trust God. He's going to be consistent in his generosity, and he's going to be consistent in calling his people to follow him into generosity. I want to come back to Ward Bremen, the talk he gave for just a minute. He did a word search in his Bible, and he looked up some kind of obvious Christian words. So he looked up the word belief, which is a word you hear me use a lot on Sunday mornings. And belief shows up 270 times in the Bible, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Then he looked up the word prayer, and prayer shows up 371 times in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, then he looked up love, because, you know, love is, I mean, that's the the word. So, looked up love, and love appears 714 times in the Bible. Then he looked up the word give, 2,152 times. The Bible speaks to either God giving us grace or God's call on our lives to give back to him and to give to others. You think God is serious about generosity and consistent about generosity? I believe that to be true through the lens of Scripture, which leads me to my fourth and final observation in this text, and it's this. We must see God's uncompromising direction for his people, right? God saves us by grace, he holds on to us by grace, but he calls us to follow, he calls us to trust. He calls us to, to have our hearts transformed and changed so that, that the behavior and the attitudes of our lives reflect his goodness and his compassion. And so he says to the people in Micah's day, bring it all into the storehouse. Bring, that, bring, bring 10% of everything you have, lay it at my feet, and, and go ahead and test me. See if I don't make sure that there's never a moment when you can't be generous. This is not a get rich quick scheme. This is not give to God and you're gonna get a whole bunch back that you can go spend on yourself. What God is saying through the prophet Micah is, if you will follow me, if you will obey me in this, there will never be a moment when you will lack the ability to be generous. And what God is calling the people in Micah's day to and what God is calling you and me to is the same thing. It's the message that the entire uh, scripture is for us. And I think it's can to be summed up in two words. God's saying to you, trust me. Trust me. When Jesus says, believe and you will be saved, what is God saying? Trust me with your eternal soul. When God says to me, Tom, I expect you to love Cindy with a reckless disregard for yourself. What is he saying? He's saying, trust me with your marriage. I can make you a better husband than you could ever make yourself. When he says to you who are still under the guidance of your parents, children, obey your parents, what he's saying to you is, trust me. I know you think you know more than them. I know you think they're old-fashioned. I know you think they never, ever had any fun their entire life. They wouldn't know fun if it walked up to them and hit them and that with a two-by-four. But obey them because by doing so, you're trusting me. I've given you to them for a while, and I have a specific purpose in mind, so trust me. When God says to Christians everywhere, including Green Tree Community Church, fight against the dividing wall of racial hostility and don't back down and don't quit and don't let people shout you down, what he's saying is, trust me. When God says, give generously, at least 10% of everything that I've blessed you with, what he is saying is, trust me. You'll never lack for the ability to be generous. I believe Green Tree Community Church is a wonderful church. I'm 58 years old, almost 59. I am praying that God lets me retire from Green Tree someday when I'm 87 or 88. (laughs) What are y'all laughing at? Come on now. Okay, I'll back off of that just a little bit. 74. But anyway, uh, I'm probably in my last decade of of pulpit ministry, right? And and the vision for Green Tree has never dimmed for me. And I don't think it's dimmed for you guys. And we've moved in this building and there's still so much more. To which God is calling us and the opportunities that God is giving us. But if we focus on that, right? If we focus on what we're gonna do, if that's our vision, we're gonna fail. But if we have a vision of God and His grace and His mercy and His compassion that He's been so generous to give us, can't lose. Not possible. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we want to give ourselves to you this morning. Not, not to the work, first and foremost, not to the ministry, first and foremost, not to the vision, first and foremost. We want to give ourselves to you because you're the one who gave himself for us. You are the one who defines generosity. You are the one who helps us understand and to see a picture of it so that we who have received your generosity can turn around and be used by you to share generously with others. Father, I pray for all of us this morning, myself, every one of us that your spirit and your word would sink deeply into our hearts and that what we do in a few minutes wouldn't be an act of behavior, but it would be a picture of hearts that are being changed and transformed by the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit and by the word of God. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.